Life Audio. Hey there, Heather Creekmore here. I'm glad you're listening to the Compared to Who show today. Happy New Year! Yay! I trust you had a wonderful Christmas holiday. And now we're back. We're ready. Oh my, new year, new you. The messages are everywhere. You should have goals. You should have resolutions. You should make this year your best year ever. How are you going to do that? Oh, the pressure everywhere. (laughs) So I ask you, do you feel the pressure? Are you seeing the messaging? Are you on a new plan? Are you resolving to do something different this year? Are you feeling that January surge of willpower to say no to everything you said yes to over the last month? Oh, if so, friend, I get it. But today I'm going to give you three challenges for the new year. These are three things that I believe you can do to be healthier in every way going into 2024 and throughout 2024. And these aren't resolutions that you would, you know, drop off, fade from by February. These are things that I believe you can sustain all year long. Also in today's episode, we're going to talk about Oprah because she's been making the news lately with her new thin body, thanks to Ozempic or Wagovi. And we're also going to talk about Weight Watchers apologizing for their program. That's fascinating stuff. So we're going to dig into scripture. We're going to look at First Peter today. We've got a lot of good stuff ahead. I'm glad you're here for it. Hey, let me just remind you, my brand new book, The 40-Day Body Image Workbook, is now available. So I hope you'll go snag a copy today. There's a facilitator's guide available for you if you want to do it with a group of ladies. That's available on my website, improvebodyimage.com. Go to the books tab and you'll find it there. I also want to let you know about the special promotion I'm running where you can start my online course or you can sign up for the online course and group coaching and start for just $40. Hey, I know December was an expensive month. So I'm offering you the opportunity to change your body image in 2024. Get started with my new group that's starting in January and start for only $40 when you choose one of the monthly pay options. Use the code START40 on the website or send me an email, Heather, at compareto.me if you have any questions. I'd love to be able to work with you. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel His love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of Scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Okay, let's dig into my three challenges for you in this new year. And the first one is if you have body goals, hashtag body goals, Make your body goals about something more than, and dare I say, other than your weight. Now, 
this this is a complex topic, I understand. But most of us have been programmed to only think about our weight. Our weight is what is most important. Oh, but friend, as I think back on my life and my concentration on my weight, there were a lot of things that I did that were not healthy that I believe actually gave me health issues because I was so focused on my weight. Your weight does not equal your health. It just doesn't. Now, yes, some insist that weight is one of the biggest measures of your health, and and that's debatable. A lot of those studies are really fascinating because they don't look at, and I'm talking about the studies that say if you're at a higher weight, you're more likely to have a heart attack or get type 2 diabetes, those sorts of things. But they don't actually look at weight cycling. They don't look at whether or not the person went up and down, up and down, up and down their whole life or whether or not they stayed at a constant weight. And there are other studies that show if you can stay at a constant weight. In fact, I just saw a study just a couple of months ago. It was fascinating. And it didn't really distinguish whether or not you had to be within the very rigid and I would say outdated BMI standards. It just said for longevity, you need to stay within 10 or 15 pounds of your weight. And it didn't clarify what that weight was. So keeping a steady weight is good for your body. Why? Because your body feels safe. Your body doesn't have to use adrenaline instead of food because you're not eating. Your body can stay in homeostasis, which your body loves to stay safe and not have to be challenged or think it's starving, right? And and so there's all kinds of data out there about that. And, And I would encourage you, if this is a brand new thought to you, go look into that. But but just think with me here. It's not logically consistent that all higher weight people are unhealthy because it's not logically consistent that all lower weight people are healthy. We know people with higher weights that have never taken a medication and people with lower weights that have heart disease and and are on all kinds of medications. So here's my point for you. You can be doing all the healthy things and you may never get your body to that weight you've always dreamed of or that weight you had in high school. How do I know this? Well, that just ties perfectly into the Weight Watcher CEO's recent apology. Yes, Weight Watchers, it's not called Weight Watchers anymore. It's called WW, which I think stands for whole wellness or something like that. But Weight Watchers is saying they're sorry because they've realized that their program is not enough for some people and that drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi, these semaglutide drugs that help people lose weight are, and this is a quote from her apology, necessary and life-saving. Yikes. Oh, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. So I did an episode on Ozempic last year. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check that out. I did have um, a listener push back and she works in a practice where they prescribe Ozempic. She kind of pushed back and she said that she has seen Ozempic work to help people change their habits. And so I'll throw that out there (laughs) as additional information. But here's what I also know. I know 
that we don't have any study on Ozempic that's longer than five years. I also know that oh, it's, it's a known quantity that as soon as you stop taking Ozempic, you gain the weight back. I also know personally a family member that used Ozempic for six or seven months, and it didn't work at all. So if you put your hope in Ozempic and it doesn't work, oh, then what do you do with yourself? Then how do you feel about yourself? And, and so my question is, so Weight Watchers, which is now, or WW, which is now selling these drugs, they've bought a company that uh, prescribes these drugs. So if you join WW and you decide you need the quote unquote extra support of these weight loss drugs, they are there for you. <laughs> they can help you get to these drugs. But my question is, oh, should we tout this as a cure? <laughs> right? And, and it really brings up a much larger question. Like, follow me here. Weight Watchers is saying that their diet doesn't work for some people. And what's strange about that is that Weight Watchers knows that their business model is that people become lifetime members. People come back over and over and over again. Everyone I've ever known who did Weight Watchers was on Weight Watchers and off Weight Watchers and on Weight Watchers and off Weight Watchers. And the only people I know that have been quote unquote successful with Weight Watchers, and again, I'm using successful in quotes, are people that have followed Weight Watchers for like life, for decades. And, you know, I'm not a dietitian, but I spend a lot of time with them now. And my dietitian friends would say, if for life you can't trust your body to know what to eat, if for life you are counting and tracking and thinking about food and restricting, ooh, friends, that qualifies as disordered eating, if not a full-blown eating disorder. So if WW only works steadily, let's put it that way, if you develop an eating disorder or disordered eating can we say it actually works? I mean, the data out there on diets is that 95% of diets will fail within five years. And, and some of the data around that shows that you'll gain more back. <laughs> you'll lose a certain amount and then you'll gain it back plus some at that five-year point. So friend, here's what I want to challenge you with at the beginning of this new year, right? There are diet commercials everywhere. But what if it's time that we really step back and ask some harder questions about why is this happening? I mean, WW is supposed to teach you how to eat for life so you can have healthy uh, habits for life so you know what foods nourish your body well for life. And it doesn't unless you go back to the meetings and the plan. It doesn't work for life. And now they're saying it doesn't work unless you take a drug for some people. So isn't it time that we start asking some harder questions about why this is happening in our bodies instead of just assuming that the problem is me? The problem is my willpower. The problem is my ability to stick to things. Uh, friend, if 95% of people are having this experience, the problem is not my personality. <laughs> the problem is not a flaw that I have related to diets and food. The problem is something bigger and no one is talking about that. 
Well, except for maybe Oprah. And we're going to talk about that right after this quick break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So there's an opinion piece in the New York Times on December 17th, just a couple weeks ago, and it was on Oprah. And the title of it is Oprah Proves Diet Culture Spares No One. I know, friends, it was a good piece. I posted it on my Facebook page if you want to go search for it there. But the author talks about how she doesn't know what she had for breakfast yesterday, but she can tell you Oprah Winfrey's goal weight, right? So Oprah, for those of us that are a little bit older, we've watched Oprah quote unquote, battle her weight for decades. We've watched her weight go up and down, up and down. She was the Optifast poster child in 1988. If you're not familiar with Optifast, Optifast was similar to another program called Metafast. And then eventually Metafast became what is now Optivia. So this was a, a program originally only allowed to be dispersed through um, doctor's offices for people who, I guess, met a certain metric on the BMI scale. Um, and they were considered, I guess, in a dangerous range. And so they were allowed to get this specially formulated um, liquid diet, these fasting shakes, and they would lose a lot of weight. And so Oprah lost a lot of weight with that. And then, of course, she gained it back. And then she lost weight again and gained it back. And then I think it was probably a decade or, or more ago, she just went with Weight Watchers. She decided that Weight Watchers are WW. She helped with their rebranding. She was tired of the crazy crash diets. And so WW was going to be her solution for life. Now, I hope you'll also remember that Oprah is rather wealthy. <laughs> So she's had celebrity trainers. She's had celebrity chefs. She's had celebrity psychologists. She made Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil famous. Okay. So she has arguably been more supported than anyone else you could name on her body change journey. Right. There was never a point where she couldn't get additional help or arguably, I don't know for sure, but didn't have additional help. And yet her weight still went up and down. She'd go on the diet and then it would drop and then the weight would come back again. And in some ways that made us love Oprah more because we could relate. We had all walked through <laughs> that same thing. I mean, there's a lot about Oprah I don't care for. <laughs> don't hear me wrong. But her up and down with her weight, we could all relate to that, couldn't we? So now Oprah is 69 years old. Okay, she's been battling this publicly for decades. 
and a few weeks ago, there was a giant portrait of her that was put into um, the portrait museum at the Smithsonian. And so she was there for the unveiling. And she's in this purple dress, I think, to symbolize her involvement in the color purple. And I'll tell you, like, she she looks great. She's in this white dress, and she's all skinny now. But the portrait of her is not from one of her thinner days. <laughs> so I have to have a little bit of empathy. I mean, we all have to have empathy for the fact that she's probably looking at that portrait like, oh, my, couldn't they have done that from one of my thin eras? And yet, and yet, just even in me saying that, I reveal like I talked about in my Dolly Parton judging episode uh, at the end of last year, I reveal the depravity of my own heart and my own issues in this area, right? Yikes. That's what I'm looking at. Oh, I bet that's what she's looking at too, though. And for Oprah, I mean, she has like paved new trails for women and especially women of color in journalism, right? She is a mogul. She's worth millions, if not billions of dollars. Friends, she's been successful by anyone's measure in in the world's economy. And yet it feels like what we'll remember most about Oprah is the yo-yoing of her weight because she made such a big deal out of it. Like, honestly, I don't feel sorry for her. I think she has been very proud when she lost the weight and then felt defeated when it came back. But Jennifer Weiner writes a powerful line here that should really make us all kind of sit up and question, what's really going on here? What are we really doing here? So listen to this. Ms. Winfrey made money when Weight Watchers preached the gospel of points and self-control. She will likely make money now that Weight Watchers has added medications to its arsenal, especially because her new body reveal comes on the cusp of New Year's resolution season. And then the author says, I wonder if someday we'll look back at this moment when, for a blink, people tried to push back against diet culture, when there was slightly better representation, a smidge more inclusion, when there were larger women with bellies and stretch marks in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition and the Victoria's Secret ads, when some of us tried to tell our daughters, because it's women who still bear the overwhelming brunt of weight stigma, that our bodies are not a problem to be solved, that health and happiness, beauty and strength are not tied to a number on the scale. And then she says this, when instead of trying to change ourselves, we had a chance to change the world, but then fell prey to a familiar siren song, here at last, a solution that works. And she goes on to talk about how Oprah is talking about how she's changed in part due to healthy lifestyle that she's been open about taking the drugs. But then someone in a book revealed that her healthy lifestyle included eating her last meal of the day at 4 p.m., which I guess a lot of older people do, but that's not like healthy lifestyle advice for for the general population. I mean, a lot of people work till five or six or seven, right? Eating your last meal of the day at four o'clock would not be enough to sustain. I know me for what I have every evening running kids around and trying to put dinner on the table for the family. And so is that really healthy lifestyle advice for everyone? No, it's not. It's not relatable. So as I kind of tie up this first point, the first point, again, being make your body goals about something more than your weight. 
That's what I want to challenge you with. What can you do to take good care of you and your body this year that isn't focused on losing weight? Because hear me, friends, I'm not saying it's bad to take care of your body. I'm not saying it's bad to try to be healthier in the new year. None of those things are bad goals. But if you stay focused on your weight, I think you stay in a trap, a trap that keeps you away from doing things that are actually healthier for you and instead puts you in this restriction mode around food that ultimately makes you have a disordered relationship with food, which oftentimes leads to us overdoing it with food, right? We binge after we restrict. I haven't had the food. I can't have the food. I don't need the food. I don't need the food. I don't need food. And then all of a sudden, one day we just snap and we eat all the food, whatever kind of certain food it was. Whatever you've been restricting, you will likely someday binge on. We've all experienced it, and it's time we stop blaming ourselves for lack of willpower and recognize the only people with enough willpower to do that develop eating disorders and instead say, wait a second, maybe that's not the way it's supposed to work. So what can I do to be healthier this year? Well, I can heal my relationship with food, right? And maybe that's going to require the help of a non-diet dietitian. I've got a whole arsenal of Christian non-diet dietitians I would be happy to refer you to. Maybe it's as simple as reading the intuitive eating book or listening to my friend Erin and Charlie, listen to them on their intuitive eating for Christian women podcast. Like healing your relationship with food is going to be helpful. Now, I personally believe that you can't fully heal your relationship with food until you heal your relationship with your body image. Because if you are still connecting what you eat to the way your body looks, then you're never going to be free (laughs) to eat what you want. Because if it changes your body even just a little bit, you're going to snap right back to your old food rules. So heal your body image first. I've got lots of resources to help you do that. We'll be starting another round of group coaching here in just a few weeks. I've got an online course. You can do individual coaching with me through that online course too, where you can take the course and then set up sessions with me or be a part of a group. I'm going to have two guests on next week. They're going to tell you about their experience being part of the most recent group we did and doing the online course and the group coaching sessions for 12 weeks and how that worked out for them. So friend, don't stay unhealthy in the arena of your body image and your relationship to food. But what else can you do? This is kind of like what I talked about in the December episode where we talked about being healthy over the holidays. What else do you need to add? Okay, friend, if this your health will improve if you turn off the Netflix and turn off the cell phone by 9 p.m., or a few hours before your bedtime, whatever your bedtime may be. Maybe the problem is you don't have a bedtime. Maybe you are staying up, doing the dishes and cleaning the house at 11 p.m. because that's the only time you feel like you have to do it. Friend, maybe you just need to get more rest and let some of those things go this year. Rest is vital for your health. You know, getting more sleep, getting good sleep improves your cardiac health, right? We're so worried about losing weight for the sake of our heart. What if we just need to sleep more? Oh, friend. Okay, get some exercise. Exercise is awesome, but do an exercise that you like. You know, people have asked me over the years, I was a fitness instructor for a long time. People always ask, what's the best exercise? 
And my answer is always the best exercise is one that you will do because you enjoy it. If you hate aerobics in a class, do not do aerobics in a class. Now, I will tell you that I don't love lifting weights. I really don't. (laughs) But because of my age and because my history of dieting and restricting food has led to muscle loss, right? Because that's what you lose a lot of times when you're restricting food is you lose muscle. I know that I have to gain more muscle now for the sake of my bones. And so I have been doing some weightlifting. I'm actually watching a woman named Lindsay Baumgren. Her Nourish Move Love videos are on YouTube. And um, she's a Christian woman, and she does a nice job. There's also Rev Well, Revelation Wellness has videos on YouTube you can do. But I'm doing these videos, and I'm doing this activity that I don't love because I know it's good for me. But here's how I get through it. I tell myself I'm just going to do it for five minutes. <laughs> Have you tried this trick before? You tell yourself you're just going to do it for five minutes, and then you get through the first five minutes, chances are you'll keep going. So sometimes you may have to push yourself, especially if you're not a natural born exerciser, although, or any of us really. But by and large, find something you enjoy doing, you know, or find a way to make what you're doing more enjoyable. You know, I was taking walks outside and that was fine. But when I realized I could listen to a podcast while I walked, that made it so much more enjoyable. My friend, the goal is for you to be able to take care of yourself in a way that is healthy for your body, but also healthy for your mind and for your soul. If the way you are trying to, and I'm going to use this in air quotes, take care of yourself is causing your mind to obsess over food or is really taking over your spiritual life because, oh, that idol, that idol's telling you what it has for you is so much better than what Jesus has for you. So just keep working on your body goals. If you keep working on your body goals, then you'll be free. Oh, friends, those are not healthy things. <laughs> so this year, what can you add, not restrict, what can you add that will actually help you be healthier? Is it more movement? Is it more vegetables? Is it more water? Right? And I don't mean to sound like the dieting advice from the 1980s, but those things are good for you. Is it more rest? And if you're really lost in this arena, I would encourage you grab my new book, the 40 day body image workbook. I spent seven days talking about food and why it's important and biblical to nourish ourselves and to eat foods that satisfy us. And I get into the data behind dieting and how it hasn't worked for 95% of us and what's really going on in our bodies when we think we feel awesome because we dropped a couple pounds on that crash diet. What is our body really doing? I talk about all that in my 40-day body image workbook. So I hope you'll go grab that. But I also talk about ways just to be healthy, to take care of yourself and how to stop shaming yourself around weight as well. Another couple books I would recommend if you want to find out more about this, read uh, my friend Leslie Schilling's book called Feed Yourself. I did an interview with her last fall. 
And um, that book's really amazing. Also, there's a book called Intuitive Eating. And that's just the name of the book. There's a workbook that goes with it if you want that as well. And that may help you too. But let's think back to Oprah. She's tried to make her life about something more than her body. She's tried. And yet, what will her legacy be? And so my second challenge to you today, your first challenge was to make your body goals about something more than your weight. My second challenge for you is to make your life about something more than your body. Yes, taking care of yourself is important like we just talked about. But friend, if taking care of yourself is your life, it's the wrong goal. It's the wrong treadmill. (laughs) Do things that make you feel alive. And you're saying, Heather, but exercise and weight loss makes me feel alive. Yes, no, that's not it. (laughs) That's idolatry. (sighs) Friend, what makes you feel alive is figuring out what God wired you to do and doing it. Do you know your spiritual gifts? Are you serving? Are you even going to church? Are you being in a community of believers? Like these are things that are hard, friends, in our culture. I got kids and I got sports and we're busy and we got stuff. But friend, these are the things that make us feel alive. Being in community with other believers, having friends who are believers that can encourage us and exhort us and tell us when we're really too focused on our food plan. But beyond that, I can tell you from personal experience, the more I am working in the areas in which I am gifted, because I know my spiritual gifts, the more I am doing these things, the less I think about my physical body. And the more I feel like, oh, wow, God made my body for me to have a vehicle, a vessel to do these things that he actually created for me to do. And I don't think about how I look as much because I am serving. I'm doing what he designed me to do. And I want that for you too. And if that just sounds hard or confusing or impossible, or you're like, yeah, I kind of see what you're saying, Heather, but I just don't know that I can get there. Then let's work together. Okay. You need to be in the body image freedom framework online course, and we need to be talking. Because that's what you were made for, friend. You weren't made to look good in a bikini. That's not your ultimate purpose. (laughs) You weren't made to have a flat stomach. That's not your ultimate purpose. Your ultimate purpose is what God designed you for. And and really, above all that, ultimately, it's, it's worshiping Him. It's knowing God. It's loving God, right? That's where we get our joy, is in our relationship with Him. But then one level kind of down from that is is knowing why He put us here, what He has for us to do. And so I encourage you, make it your goal this year to seek God every single morning and say, God, what do you have for me today? Right? Don't worry about 20 years from now, 10 years from now, even five months from now. What do you have for me today? And just ask him. You know, I found even in the arena of food and exercise that that can be helpful. You know, God, help me eat in a way that honors you today. Help me exercise in a way that honors you today. But more than that, God, help me live for you today and not for myself and my hashtag body goals. God, what do you have for me today? What do you want to show me today? Who do you want me to bless and be your hands and feet, the hands and feet of Jesus today? Oh, friends, that's making your life about something more than your body. 
You know, Matthew 6.25 says, life is more than food and drink and the clothes you'll wear, right? Is your life more than food and drink and your clothes? Like, oh, it's kind of an uncomfortable question, but I'll be honest, for decades, my life was about what I ate, (laughs) how much I exercised, and what size I wore. If that's where you're at today, friend, there's, there's hope. You do not have to stay there. And I really believe that what God wants for you is to not stay there. He wants to see you make your life about something more than your body goals because he knows that is good for you. That's what will bring you joy. That's what will bring you peace and rest when you're serving him and loving God and loving others well, fulfilling the great commission, the great commandment. Friend, that's the good stuff. Our culture makes it seem like the good stuff is weight loss. Our culture makes it seem like the good stuff is the before picture and the after picture, and then you're there. But friends, that after picture captures you for 10 seconds of your life, and then, <laughs> and then you move on, right? Chances are you eat dinner after that and you, you bloat, right? An after picture is not a picture of the Christian's quote-unquote best life on this earth, The best life you can live is not being in a thin body. The best life you can live is being sold out for Jesus and doing things every single day that serve him and bring glory to him, not glory to ourselves. Oh, friend, that's, that's where the freedom lives. That's where, that's where you'll be able to find peace and rest. As we close up today, my third point is to make your heart about Jesus, not body change. So point one, remember, was make your body goals about something more than your weight. Point two, make your life about something more than your body. And point three, make your heart about Jesus, not body change. And so I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. I'm going to ask you, 2024, as you think about this year, do you want to be more beautiful? Is that a goal you have? to improve the way you look this year. I understand why that's a goal. (laughs) I feel the pressure too, for sure. But as I was reading in 1 Peter 3 today, I was convicted. I'm going to read you this um, just so you can hear it too. I'm going to start in verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Friends, I used to kind of resent this verse a little bit, right? Because the gentle and quiet spirit thing, oh, and I talk about this in the 40 day body image workbook. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, gentle and quiet. Like I'm kind of loud sometimes. Like I'm not quiet. But I wonder if instead of this being an assault to all of us who have louder personalities, I wonder if what God really is saying is that to him, Beauty is the person who is at rest, a gentleness, that quietness that comes from just being at peace with 
God's grace, who God made me to be, where God put me. It's contentment, right? We talked about that a lot in several episodes last year, right? Is that really what it means to be gentle and quiet? To just be at peace, to stop all the striving about trying to be better or trying to keep up with her or her or her or trying to lose weight like she did or trying to make money like she did or trying to have a better house like she did or wishing you had a better marriage. Like what if it's just resting in Jesus, being grateful for all he's given us and adorning ourselves with the hidden person of the heart, the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, imperishable beauty. When you have that kind of peace, my friend, when you have that kind of calm and confidence, not coming from your body or your body size or your weight or the amount of wrinkles you do or don't have based on your relationship with Botox, right? When you have peace that comes straight from the father, that is beautiful. You are stunning. If you really want to be more beautiful this year, recognize that the beauty you crave, the beauty you desire, the beauty that is imperishable, and I'm going to go so far as to say the beauty that other people will notice the most, especially those people who love you, is when you make your heart about Jesus, when you grow in that kind of beauty. Friend, I see a lot of dieting stuff. And one thing I'm looking for in the face and the eyes of these people in an after picture is I'm looking to see joy. And I don't often see that. An after picture, getting the weight loss, meeting the hashtag body goal cannot give you this kind of imperishable beauty that Jesus is talking about. And so the good news is you don't have to do anything to change your physical body to have this kind of beauty to be more beautiful. But the reality is you got to put some effort in, friend. Are you in the word? Are you reading your Bible? Are you listening to content that is helpful and encouraging in your walk with Jesus? Or is it kind of like, I got a little bit of Christian stuff and then like, I really love this other stuff because it's just good entertainment. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being entertained, but uh, where's that leading your heart? And especially if you're entrenched in a struggle, right? I'm sorry, your heart doesn't have any extra capacity for all the other junk. If you're struggling, get focused on Jesus because he's the only one that is going to heal that brokenness. So do you desire to be more beautiful? Can you believe God's word in 1 Peter 3? when he says that more beauty comes with being gentle and quiet. It's what's on you, the inside. It's what's in your spirit. Oh, friend, I know I have been the woman who wasn't gentle and quiet. I know I have been the woman at times who was kind of trying to be loud about how she was eating or loud about her job at the gym. So people would just think I was skinnier because I was talking about exercising. I mean, it is ridiculous to say it loud, but I think a lot of us do it. 
we're really worried about our image. We want people to think about us in a certain way. And so we're putting it out there all the time. Maybe even putting it out there on Instagram or Facebook all the time. Think this about me. Think about how healthy I am. Think about how great a job I do at controlling my body and think well of me. Think good thoughts. Think I'm beautiful because I do this and, and I lost this weight and I met this goal. Oh, but God says real beauty is that gentle and quiet, calm. Can you be at peace with him and be beautiful in that way? That's the question I leave you with today. Friend, I'm excited for this new year. We've got lots of good stuff. Got some great interviews coming up in the next week or so. And then we're going to dig into content that matches my 40-day body image workbook. So it's not going to replace it. So don't think you can just like listen here and get what's in the book. No, no, no. Not going to replace it. But I'm going to pull out just a line here or there and we're going to talk about it. Um, so that you can get a feel for what's in the book if you don't have it, or if you're reading the book, this will really help you process the content and understand it in a deeper level. So I'm excited you're here. January is going to be a great month on the show. Hey, can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Drop me an email, heather at compared to who.me. Okay. I read every message I get. I'm not always super fast to getting back to you because sometimes I get a lot, <laughs> but I will read it and I am committed to praying for you in 2024. What are your goals? Do you want a more beautiful heart? Do you want a life that's about more than body change? If these are your goals, drop me a note. Let me know so I can be prayer support for you this year. Thank you for listening. I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. The Compared To Show is proud to be part of the Life Audio Podcast Network. For more great Christian podcasts on every topic this year, go to lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.